guys, welcome to the Twiniversity Podcast, a show created exclusively for parents of twins. I'm your host, Natalie Diaz. I am a mom of twins. I am also the Twiniversity founder, and I am the best-selling author of the book, What to Do When You're Having Two. Our goal at Twiniversity is to make sure that you always feel connected, we laugh at the little things, and we really do get to teach you a few tricks along the way. And that is what we hope this podcast is about to do. So welcome to Twiniversity. One of my least favorite things about being a parent of twins is dealing with two stuffy noses at the same time. If you have not yet experienced this, consider yourself lucky. But now that's why I'm so excited to share with you that there is a great product out there to help you clear out those four tiny nostrils when your twins are congested. Yes, each twin has two nostrils, just throwing that out there. Meet the Oogie Bear Better Booger Picker. Say it again with me, Oogie Bear Better Booger Picker. It safely and effectively removes stubborn, sticky mucus and dry boogers from those little noses with the Oogie Bear Booger Picker, which are great for cleaning little ears too. The patented bear head design ensures that the ends will not go too far into their tiny nose and the soft rubber scoop and loop are specifically created to be gentle enough for their tiny little noses. Also, you really should check out the Oogie Bear Nose Balm and the Oogie Bear Chest Rub. They're organic products to help clear infant airways and provide long-lasting moisture to their tiny irritated skin when they have it. The inventor of Oogie Bear is a very dear friend. She's also a doctor of pharmacy. She's also a mom of three. But more importantly, she is such an amazing inventor. And this item that she created has revolutionized the way that people deal with sticky mucus. So I assure you, you are in the best of hands. So to learn more, visit oogiebear.com. That's O-O-G-I-E-B-E-A-R.com. Rawr. Go clean out those tiny noses. Ooh, we got a doozy. Where are my extended breastfeeders at? I see you. Okay. You over there. What about you? Yeah, you're doing good. Well, we're going to meet Nora today who has been breastfeeding for 17 months. She is so amazing. I want to start creating like a, a marble statue in her name. That is a lot of work. That's a lot of dedication. That's a lot of work and she is doing it. So, you know, I'm not saying that you certainly need to breastfeed for 17 months or more. And Nora could still be going strong, by the way, by the time you listen to this. But I am saying that it if you want something to happen, you could make it happen. And that is what Nora's going to talk about today, is the adventure of getting it done. So are you ready to hear how cute she is? And it's, it's a sweet story. And so get ready. Okay, okay, here she is. Meet Nora. Oh, Miss Nora. Listen, 17 months. You have had children attached to your nipples. I have. I, I want to go into this. I want to talk about this. It's, it's funny that we, we're calling it extended breastfeeding. However, many populations throughout the world would never call this extended. It's just you do a till two, right? So I am dying to dig in on the practicality of it, the logistics of it, the stigma of it, because that's a whole thing, whether it's your family or outside, 
and how the heck you're still going because I'm so happy for you. So before we dig in, give me the the little story of our little twinnies beginning. Okay, that's actually a great story. So um, since I was little, I always wanted to be a mom, always. And I remember um, being in elementary school and having like a build build your house when you're an adult kind of room. And I built like, you know, on a piece of paper, a twin nursery. I always wanted twins. Oh. Um, I've just always been drawn to them. And I just always have loved children so much that I feel like... I have so much love. I would smother one. I need two to like divvy it up, you know? <laughs> so um, I met my husband. He's wonderful with children, but he's more of like a goal-oriented guy. Like he had a five-year plan where I just fly by the seat of my pants. And as soon as we got married, I was like, okay, I want to have a kid. And he's like, um, I really want to build a house. Okay. And so I said, you know, I am going to be 30 soon. So like, if you want to wait and take that chance, there's higher chances of multiples, twins and triplets after a certain age. And he laughed it off. So we started building. And during the build, I was calculating that, okay, by this time, the house will be built. So can we try to have kids? And he was like, okay, at this point, by, by December or so, we can try. So I kept saying, it's going to be twins or triplets. You know that, right? as a joke. And then um, February 27th of 2020, I took a pregnancy test when I was only two weeks and five days pregnant. And it was wow. a heavy positive. And so I was like, wow, it's probably twins. And so I took like 17 more tests and they're all positive. <laughs> and um, because of the pandemic hitting right at the beginning of March, I couldn't get into an OB or anything like physically. Mm -hmm. And so at about 10 weeks, I had some really bad cramping and menstrual bleeding, like type bleeding. And mm -hmm. so I just told the doctor, like, please, please let me just see where the baby's at. Like, what if it's up topic? Like all these things were running through my mind and I was just stressed out and I am not really a stressed out kind of person. <laughs> so um, the doctor wasn't in, but the um, nurse that was there so that she could give me an ultrasound, but it wouldn't okay. be official until. Okay sonographer or a doctor was there and she put it on my belly and I just saw two sacks and she was like are you okay and I said I knew it I knew it was two oh, and then she said the let me just check and make sure there's not three and I go even if it's three I'll be so excited so anyways I had to do that all by myself and um when I came home <laughs> and I showed him the ultrasounds <sighs> He took a big step back and he was like, you kept saying it. You kept saying it. So you ever since didn't. then, I'm not allowed to say things. No, don't do that. Unless yeah. it's like win lotto or, yeah. you know, inherited a crazy sum of money of a family member we didn't know existed. Those things you should now be saying on a regular basis. And those should yeah. be the twins I told first him, words. I'm, I'm really big on manifesting, apparently, because I did say, I feel like I'm going to have twins again. And he was like, please stop. Please stop talking. <laughs> So we'll see. We'll see if that happens. Oh, that's so exciting. So how was your pregnancy during a wonderful lockdown? That's always exciting, right? Yeah, it was, you know, I felt like I was robbed of a lot of experiences. Um, I couldn't go anywhere or do anything. And a lot of people were, they saw me not pregnant and then they mm -hmm. just saw me with two kids. Yeah. So yes. um, it was pretty shocking for a few people once I actually had them. But overall, my pregnancy was super 
easy up until I started getting really bad swelling around um, 30 weeks. And then Mm. on week 35, I went in for my appointment and I had preeclampsia. And they told me to check my blood pressure regularly. And I did not because I was like, I feel fine. I feel like I would feel different. I know. Always listen to your doctor. Don't do that. So the next day, I did one day of not monitoring because I didn't have a blood pressure cuff and I didn't feel like leaving because my legs would swell. So I told my husband to just go pick one up and my blood pressure was like, I think 154 over 90. So my doctor told me to like head in and that's where I got induced. And that was not a fun experience. So now that I know about that, anyone that's like worried about preeclampsia, there's like a brewer's diet, look into that. Just in case. Listen, it's do everything to hedge your bets. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things, unfortunately, that we're going to see more as parents of twins. Mm -hmm. Singletons still see it too, but holy smokes. That's a lot, girl. And then so you delivered that week? I delivered. So I went in on a Wednesday at midnight and I had the the kids on Friday. Okay. Um, They were born two hours apart. Two hours and eight minutes. So that is awesome. So baby A, head down. Is your baby A our chick or our little dude? Our chick, Ariana. Ladies oh, first. Very good. That's the way she we was do head it here down. in this house too. What was that? I said that's how we did it too in our house. We oh, did yeah. chicks first. So mm-hmm. Ariana was your baby A. She Was that an easy delivery? Was she ready to go or was it still a struggle? It was still a struggle. So um, I actually shopped around for OBs um during my first OB appointment Mm -hmm. um I really 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 wanted a vaginal birth um it being my first and me wanting like six to ten kids I I didn't want a cesarean possibly impacting that Mm -hmm. um I have family members who've had several um cesareans back to back and after like the third fourth it it's just a lot on your body. So yeah, I wanted to avoid that at all costs. And so I found a doctor through um, a Facebook group recommendation, which the Facebook twin groups are a really amazing resource. Um, so I found a recommendation for a doctor nearby that is well known for advocating for vaginal deliveries first, um, mm-hmm. regardless of B being breech. Um, but you he does do a breech flip. So okay. for anyone who hasn't experienced that, it's a wild experience. It's uh, it's very comfortable right here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I was going to try to go the all natural route of like no epidural mm-hmm. and all that. So um, he was very kind during my appointments and he's like, unless bees head down, like I will be doing a breech flip. And he was like six foot four and he showed me his hand and I was like, e. he's like, that's going to go inside and it's going to grab your yeah. baby and flip them. I'm like, maybe I'll consider an then. <laughs> so, um, but I did have to birth Ariana in the OR just okay. because my actual doctor was in a different delivery. Okay. Um, so he didn't show up until I, she actually came out. So then after that, once I had to lay on my back, my contraction stopped with her. So it was a lot of labored breathing. I was extremely swollen. I was on magnesium, which really fogs you up. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of traumatizing for me, honestly. But um, they also did an internal monitor, which ended up cutting her head. And that cool. over everything stressed me oh, out significantly. Yeah. I was really worried if it punctured too far, like their heads are so soft. Yeah. Um, so I had a lot of guilt with making that 
decision to do the internal monitor. And I mean, that's only my fault, but um, I felt like I was really coarse because during the entire 26 hours before that um, of my labor, they kept having to, the nurses kept having to come in and readjust my monitors because my babies were just fishing around in there, swimming. Can I just stop you for a second, Nora? You know that it's really not your fault, just to clarify. You know that you did not actually put the monitor on your child and that it was approved by your medical team who all thought it was a good idea as well. Yes. Okay. I but just want to make sure. I, yeah. I, I, need I don't to want you to feel it. too bad, but it's, you know, the thing is, is we always say that it's like us, like we did it. We did not do things alone. You weren't in a cabin in the woods squatting and, you know, just having babies shoot out. This was a very, very, you know, medically monitored, a lot of intervention. People were there. So just just take a tiny little bit off your plate because you really are a freaking rock star. I mean, considering if you look back at that now, I I don't want you to have any of that. You did so good. There shouldn't be anything that you feel bad about. You freaking, you had a vaginal delivery with twins with a breech B that was two hours apart. You, you probably labored for, I don't know, I'm going to say six hours you were having contractions minimum. Oh, minimum. I was yeah. having contractions for, I want to say 16 hours. Yeah. Look what After you the did do. 10 hours. Look yeah. what you did do. Just yeah. take a second since we're going to be having 17 more sets of twins. Yeah. Just take a second and realize you really did. You did so good. Thank and look you. at that. Like, and, and, and everybody that's listening, stop. It's intervention time. Focus on the things that you did do. Don't focus on the things that didn't go the way you wanted to. Because we are honestly, like I'm going to start cursing. Honestly, Nora, I had to stop myself right there. We're like <laughs> freaking rock stars. And then for some reason. First, first. <laughs> Oh my God, I'm trying not to because then we have to put an E on the episode and then it becomes a thing. And I'm like, oh, well, people not listen to this with kids in the car. Um, But like we do so much and it's so funny how you're going to pick out a little thing that Mm -hmm. to you is, I'm not saying that it's little and I'm not, I'm not kind of depreciating the way that you feel, but like, seriously, you really did so good. Don't like, don't focus on that today. You go, you could go back to that. You could go into a negative spiral tomorrow, but today be nothing but positive and proud of yourself, please. Thank you. I am very proud of myself. I feel like moms like always have that guilt and they carry it. And I feel that the more I've talked about it, Mm -hmm. the more like I felt better about it. Good. Because there's always a I could have done or I should have done or of course. It was my first round. I think I did pretty good for a first time on. You know what I mean? You had you got pregnant, you found out during the peak pandemic before the world was even shutting down. You were uh, you had the the illusion that maybe it was gonna end soon during the beginning, Mm -hmm. and you're like, I'm gonna have a normal baby shower. You were building a house. Could like come on. You spent so much look at those 18 pregnancy chests are not cheap, right there. You're already in debt now. So so there you go. Yeah. So when it, when a when Ariana came out and now it was this this wonderful pause mm-hmm. of two hours. Did you stay in the OR? Or did they bring you back to labor and delivery? They brought me back to labor and delivery. Um, on the count of my doctor, he was looking at me and he said the words, "All right, mom needs a break. Like, let's take her back in the room because he typically delivers vaginally, like twins vaginally in." the labor and delivery rooms. He's Mm -hmm. been doing it for, I think, 20 years. Um, Twins, primarily. So he's very confident in it. But like I said, he wasn't there. So Mm -hmm. the other doctor on hand did what she was comfortable with, which um, I will say the bright lights and the commotion of all the people kind of like psyched me out. Yeah. And um, 
I was extreme, like I, I was very extremely swollen. So laying flat, um, I couldn't lift myself up. Mm-hmm. So, and it took like four nurses to lift both of my legs. I was, I was a lot of weight, extra weight. Um, but the pushing and like, I'm, I wasn't comfortable with, um, coached pushing. Like I wanted to push as I contracted. Um, and so they kind of, at that point were like, you need to regardless. And so I did. So that was 15 minutes was, wasn't too bad of pushing for her. Not bad um, at all. It's excellent. So once they, you know, checked her all over, showed my husband the little gash on her head, um, they wheeled me back into the labor and delivery room. We did a lot of skin to skin and we did some nursing. Um, she immediately latched, but she was so tiny. She was five pounds, four ounces. And we just cuddled for that time. And then about two hours later, I started feeling pretty intense contractions, Mm -hmm. um, which felt different from the first because once I got the epidural, my contractions were a little bit more bearable for at least like four or five hours. Um, And I was on Pitocin, so I feel like those contractions were a little bit more wild. And I wasn't sure if maybe um, the epidural had worn off because they didn't replug it back in once I went back to the room. Mm-hmm. Um, but my son's contractions were wild, wild. Um, and the one of the nurses was like, there's no way that you're like having, like you're ready to push. And I was holding Ariana and I was like, someone take this baby, like, please, because I'm going to drop her. Mm-hmm. I'm having such intense contractions. So the doctor is like, if she has to push, she has to push, like, let's look. And um, three pushes, he was out. He was four pounds, 10 ounces. God bless um, him, and he was actually born blue. And, um, my son was not ready to come out. I will just say that during the breech flip, um, he was very high up in my ribs. I actually had a really hard time breathing since like 26 weeks. He would flip up, he'd flip head down and he'd immediately come back to my chest. Mm. I don't know if he really loved the sound of my heartbeat, but even this day, he still lays on the same side and lays his head like exactly where he was in my belly. So that's his comfort spot. So, um, his birth. I think he was a little bit not ready, um, but he was born blue and my doctor was very calm. And I, I always feel like in a past life, maybe I was a labor and delivery nurse or midwife or something because I just knew that it wasn't how he was supposed to look. Um, but doctor was super calm. The NICU team was in the room. My husband cut the cord, uh, which he said he did not want to do, but he did for my son. <laughs> um, by the way, if you don't know, it's really different than what it looks like. It's super spongy. Mm-hmm. He was like, oh, that's kind of gross. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, <laughs> I don't um, know what people think it's going to be like rope, but it's really not. It's like a sausage. Yeah. It's like a weird, yeah. chewy sausage that you're cutting right. through for the graphic visual like, for everybody out there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was pretty funny to watch him do. Um, but the NICU team took him, measured him all up, and they hooked him up to all these monitors. Mm-hmm. And... The mama bear in me, I feel like this was so outer body, um, but I just felt the need to hold my son. And I was like, give me my son. I need to hold my son. And they rolled him over and I was like, no, no, I need to hold my son. And the doctor was like, just put him on her chest. Mm -hmm. And because they were going to wheel him off and I didn't even get to like feel him, you know. Um, So I put him on my chest and immediately his like all his levels rose and were at stable within maybe five seconds. So he ended up getting to stay with me. They just had a NICU um, nurse come in every two hours to check and make sure like he looked good. He was like latching right and whatnot. So um, I don't know. I don't know what came over me, but I got kind of like 
kind of a little bit crazy. Yeah. I was like screaming, like to give me my son. So good. Listen, you know what? There's definitely instincts that we have and we're so quick to kind of dismiss them because we didn't read it on Google. Yeah. And but there is definitely, you know, there's there's a whole person inside of you that has been the, the strength of 87 generations previous. So yeah. you did. Girl, I can't even believe that you're disappointed with one thing that you did during that day. I'm also a perfectionist. I know I don't look like it, but I usually <laughs> a little bit more. <laughs> I think you're perfect. I really, really do. So when he when you had when you were able to hold him. Did, was it literally just skin to skin or did you put him down by where he was near your heart? What did I, you do when you got him? I had an amazing nurse cause I was like panicking. Mm-hmm. She actually ripped down my shirt as I was reaching for him and right. he just laid right on my chest, kind of like in the nape of my neck. And I just like kept kissing him and like holding him close and just like held him just like this. Cause he was yeah. so little, he was yeah. so tiny. I know um, that little tiny beans, 410, that's teeny tiny. He was Not so too teeny little. tiny. It's pretty hardy as, as far as we go in our he, universe. He did good. But in comparison to, to full-term singletons. Yeah, yes. that's all I've ever seen. Yeah. I was my, I've been to my both of my sister's deliveries and I've seen seven, eight-pound babies. So that's yeah. what I was expecting yeah. in my mind. And then I just see this little shriveled-up alien. And I was like, yep. ooh, yikes. <laughs> <laughs> but I knew, like, there was also that guilt that mm-hmm. I was like, maybe I did something wrong that brought on this preeclampsia. And that's why he's so little and she's so little. And then, nope, unfortunately. Nope, it's just... I wish I wish there was something that you that they found out that you did because then we would the rest of us would know. I so am. yeah, and I I will say it a thousand times, but there is literally a cornerstone at the Mayo Clinic that is waiting for the name of the person who discovers the cure for preeclampsia, yeah. and I am weirdly I have the hunch that it's going to be a twin, whenever mm-hmm. that is. It may be in two hundred years from now. It could be tomorrow. I have no clue. It's my weird. This is my manifesting. There you go, mm-hmm. Laura. Look, I'm doing it now. Yeah. I'm drinking, I'm drinking the Nora Kool-Aid. I love it. <laughs> so now everybody's out of the pool mm-hmm. and they're, they've delivered some wonderful placenta. And now the room is getting quiet. Mm-hmm. As the room is getting quiet, you're like, I'm going to start breastfeeding everybody right now. Or did you say, no, let's focus on one baby at a time? So I immediately um, latched them both. I brought my breastfeeding pillow. I had the my breast friend at the time. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted them on me regardless is regardless if they were nursing or not um they were really tiny so their suction didn't really do anything mm-hmm. so I tried to like express and then put their mouth to it um at this time too I wasn't I didn't know what to expect in my mind I was going to make it 37 weeks I only made it 35 weeks so it messed up my timeline, you know, my manifest mm-hmm. timeline. So I was thrown off. Um, and the doctors and nurses were very concerned about their weight and kept um, threatening NICU time. So they had brought in their own formula, um, which wouldn't have been the one I selected, but I was also at the hospital during a pandemic mm-hmm. and we weren't allowed to leave. So um, yes. obviously the well-being of my children came first. So they immediately did like force feeds like every hour and a half to two hours okay um and so I wasn't really okay with that but I had enough guilt as it is so I just wanted to feel back to myself I was still on a magnesium drip and so I let go of that control and um so we were interchanging nursing and um bottle feeding Mm -hmm. and I got a lot of 
oh, you're going to try to breastfeed. And I would be like, no, I am going to breastfeed. Yeah. Like, that's what I'm going to do. So um, it took a while for someone to finally bring me a pump, but it was until Sunday that someone brought me a pump, but I kept latching them, having them like smell my nipples and just doing all the things that I read to do um, before. So we didn't exclusively um, breastfeed or express until Monday. Okay. Monday I went to the doctor and she basically said, don't put so much pressure on yourself to breastfeed, which it's something I was very passionate about doing. Um, I wanted to do it minimum three months at least. So that's, that was my goal for myself. And she was like, you know, it, a lot of people can't, so don't put that pressure on yourself. Here's, here's a prescription for some formula to like buy you time. And I came home because my husband stopped at the store and picked up more formula <clears throat> and it wasn't the formula I wanted, but they were drinking it. So I didn't want to like mess anything up. Yes. And we got home and he pulled out the formula and I just started sobbing. And he was shocked. He was like, what's going on? And I told him that I really, really, really wanted to breastfeed. So everyone telling me that I might not make enough milk or this or that, or telling me these negative comments towards yeah. my hopes and dreams was really bothering me. And no one's giving me a shot to do it. Um, because my daughter was latching great. My son would latch here and there, but it was extremely painful, mm -hmm. very shallow. I'd have like lipstick nip nipples and I yeah. was bleeding and bruised. Mm -hmm. And, um, so then I started pumping like regularly every two hours and I would get like one and a half to five ounces in the first like three weeks. So I just kept doing that. And I really focused on latching them one at a time after I left the hospital. Once I realized like, okay, this is not sustainable. Yes. She can't stay on. She's very weak and he's getting it and not getting it. So I had a lactation consultant come about a week postpartum and um, she basically did weighted feeds and she's like, you're doing great. I don't know why you're questioning yourself. And then I was like, because everyone else is questioning me. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but we did work on my son's latch and I went back to a um, Facebook group for, I think it's La Leche League of, for multiples mm -hmm. and such overwhelming, wonderful content on there. Um, the moms it's great. I'm part of it too, for the record. And so if I see if there's an SOS out there, I think it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. That's a really, really great group. So good. Yeah, so you found the support through them. Did you find support through with other parents that were kind of in the same boat as you? Um, actually through the Facebook group, I came across a couple other twin moms. We had like similar or like near each other due dates. And one of the moms actually had her baby. She actually lives like 15 minutes from me. So we're friends now. We're mom friends. We're like oh. probably other sisters. So um, she was going through it. I was already three weeks into it, but mm -hmm. she, it was her third and fourth child. So she was having struggles and I was like, okay, that gives me reassurance because you've done this already twice mm -hmm. and you're experiencing the same thing I'm experiencing as a first time mom. So it's can't be anything I'm doing. It just yeah. must be, you know? Yeah. So we really encouraged each other. We shared our feeding schedules. We shared our resources. Um, I got a couple videos of like the flip of method and breastfeeding across the world and different tips and tricks. And um, my daughter, after three weeks, my daughter had it down perfect. But I would have to 
be stationary yeah. and not do anything with her. So um, I ended up bottle feeding a lot during that time and focusing more on my son's latch. And it took us, I remember everyone saying, it'll take two, three weeks that your nipples will hurt. Mm-hmm. And at week five, I texted my sisters because they're the ones who said it, oh, two weeks. And I was like, when is this going to stop hurting? Because I can't do it anymore. And the next day, it stopped hurting. Yay. I know. I was like, look, I almost gave up right there. And then the next day, I was like, no, I'm going to try it one more week. And um, one day, I just sat down. I was like, all right, son, this is what we're doing. We're going to latch today. So it was like 30 times I unlatched him and we relatched and unlatched and relatched to figure out what the latching issue was. Was it his tongue? Was it his bottom lip? Was it his top lip? Was it the angle? And um, there was a video and I don't remember what the video is called, but I have it saved. And it went through like 10 different things mm-hmm. to do to latch what, like what issues they could be. And um, I tried every one of them. And one day, it just snapped after the 30th relatch. So I'm, it my is. son's stubborn, but I'm more stubborn. So. You know, Nora, I, I I'm pray that people are listening to this and saying, okay, it's possible. Sometimes like when I'm working with a the family, they never believe me. And I'm like, you just got to keep trying. Mm-hmm. So we've had twins that took four months to get a good latch, mm-hmm. but you just keep trying. If it's important to you, it's important to me. It's important to the people that are around you. So we're going to keep going and we're not going to stop until somebody says red light. So I'm so I'm so excited for you that you trusted your gut yet again, like the 800th time now, if you're seeing the trend of what's going on yeah. here. But you really did. That's really fantastic that you just kept it. You, you were very persistent. Mm-hmm. So since that day with your 30th latch, how has it been? Like, are you tandem breastfeeding? Are you like, oh my gosh, I can't understand how people, you know, why everybody's not doing this? Or how do you feel about breastfeeding in general? Do you feel like it should be for everybody or that no, it's just for me? Um, I definitely feel like everyone, everyone has the power to do it. It's just, you have to outweigh you have to outweigh your pros and cons here because if it's causing you any mental distress and mm-hmm. like that, I, I know that when I'm having a rough day and my my kids, this is from like birth to now, now they're talking and stuff, but um, even before they could verbally communicate, they could tell, they would, re- re- they would respond and react to how I was feeling emotionally. So um, every time that I latched them, I was getting frustrated. I immediately put them down walk into the closet or the bathroom, then come back out and like re- like reset myself because I didn't want to transfer all that energy mm-hmm. because if I'm frustrated, then they're frustrated yeah, and then we're both frustrated course. and both crying, you know? Yeah. Um, so I feel like if, I, if somebody wants to do it, there's definitely things that you could do to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely don't think that, I never want to say something that's going to make someone feel like, I'm not, I'm not as good of mom as you because I don't breastfeed. That's yeah. not the case because I was mentally okay. Not the whole time, but I was mentally okay. And I was present and able to care for my children while I was breastfeeding and going through those hard things. I have a lot of great coping skills um, that didn't come overnight, but throughout my life I've adapted. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is huge during breastfeeding. I truly feel like breastfeeding is harder than caring twins 
35 weeks and five days <laughs> and birthing them vaginally yep. two hours and eight minutes yep. apart. So, um, I also feel like resources are a huge, huge help, whether you have a successful breastfeeding experience or not. Yeah. Um, resources and support. Like I had people telling me, your kids aren't getting enough milk. I was confused, wondering yeah. if my kids learned to talk overnight at two months old and told somebody that because that yeah. was news to me, but that but was the know, kind of that was it, the assumption everyone had. It is. And also, you know, that the measurement that the doctor uses is for kind of a, a typical baby, not necessarily a breastfed baby. Mm -hmm. And that if you're very, really nervous about it, you could actually online find the growth chart of a breastfed baby. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of slower at first and then it takes a giant bump up. It's not as smooth of a curve as a formula pet fed baby, let's say. Yeah. When you were talking, I, I wrote down in big kind of capital letters here, it says coping skills. Mm -hmm. Did you, did you always have good coping skills? Was it from childhood? Was it through your teen years? Did you start Googling this because of the pandemic? When do you think that you honed your coping skills? And if you would be so generous, I would love to know specifically what works best for you. Yeah. Okay. So um, I have always been like a bottle up your feelings then blow up later kind of person. I mm -hmm. feel like that's very common. Um, but once I got pregnant, I felt like to me, the most important thing on this planet is this child. Um, and I have a huge family and lots of extended family and wonderful friends. And I know a lot of people and I've seen how, um, and this is just my personal thought. I don't know if there's any science behind this, but mm -hmm. I've noticed that people who are extremely anxiety ridden and stressed out and upset during their pregnancy, um, I feel like they have colicky babies, very stressed out postpartum experience and knowing and just seeing like angry children and angry babies just really like hurt my soul. And yeah. I've watched so many kids I've nannied babies and I've seen like and it's not anything that is anyone's fault but if you don't know how to cope with your own emotions you pass that energy on that cortisol on to those fetuses in your body I assume um and during my whole pregnancy anytime something was getting me to triggering I'd, I'd put my hands on my belly and I'd just say okay we want a happy baby we want to keep baby healthy and like let's woosa a minute or let's take a shower. The shower for me is super resetting. Like yeah. no matter what, if I am having a rough, this is even before children. Um, I don't like to cry. So when I cry, I do it in the shower. So it just like washes away. And then I'm like refreshed when I walk out. So um, that's something that I adopted and it's been working great. Even postpartum, you know, the crying for no reason. Mm -hmm. I would just walk right in the shower. I sob in the shower clean up and then get dressed, feel good, you know? Um, so that's just something I did for myself. I was very, very worried about having two babies that would be very high needs um, because of the energy that I had during my pregnancy. Um, and so I'm not saying that no one stressed me out during my pregnancy, yeah. but I just remember saying, okay, well, you're not worth the baby. So like, yeah. we're just gonna out the window with that. You work. know what you did secretly? You made yourself the priority. Yeah, that's really what you did. And that's what nobody really does. 
Yeah. So the thing is, I, is, the sooner yeah. that you realize in your life as, as a parent, right, we mm -hmm. always talk about that you have to put your oxygen mask on first. Mm -hmm. You have been doing that. That's that's your coping skill. But that's literally what you were doing. There's a million ways to do it. And by the way, the shower is awesome because literally the physical change of temperature in your body does do a wonderful reset. I mean, anybody who's in therapy will tell you that, you know, either putting a cold washcloth behind your neck or, you know, change or going outside on a cold day is always going to be fantastic for you. But you made yourself a priority and really you thought you were doing it for the babies, but you were. I mean, at the end of the day, you really are and you still are. Mm -hmm. So... Now that you've gotten kind of this far, I mean, holy smokes, kid, like you freaking 17 months in and you're still breastfeeding. Are yeah. you to the tap exclusively? Are you doing a combination of pumping? How has has kind of the three months plus time been? So the three months plus time, I started tandeming, tandem nursing exclusively uh, at 10, 10 months or 10 weeks. Um, eight weeks is when I flirted with it. Okay. Now that I got both latches down and they seem to be they've always been on the same feeding schedule mm -hmm. um I just wanted to make sure that I had a good setup like I had the water here the snack here towels ready diapers in arm's reach things like that figure out a system um 10 weeks is when I exclusively started nursing and mm -hmm. we've been tandem nursing since 10 weeks um Anytime my kids see an ounce of cleavage, they both want the boob. So that's why I'm in a crew neck sweater. So any anytime if I'm showering in a bra, getting ready, they see boobs, it's like lights out. Time. I just have yeah. to succumb to them, you know? Um, so we've been tandem since then. We They're 17 months and we nurse first thing in the morning. We nurse, so like 6.30, 11 two to three, five, seven before bed, and sometimes in the middle of the night. So we nurse quite a bit. Yeah. That's and fantastic. It was funny because when they were 12 months old, we went to their one-year appointment, and the doctor was like, yeah, you should only be nursing four times a day. And I was like, I'm at like six to eight. But so if you're at six to eight, that's normal. Yeah. Listen, you know what? There is no such thing, right? Like, honestly, Nora, like, what the heck is normal? Because it's yeah. whatever you are comfortable with, with your family is comfortable with. If there's nothing going on that anybody has any red flags you just keep doing whatever feels right for you yeah what has been kind of the the social stigma around that like are you if you go to family functions does is that typical for your family to breastfeed after a year um no actually we were like exclusive one one of six kids we were exclusively formula fed okay um my mom was concerned that I wouldn't make enough, but okay. everyone was, I mean, my brothers, they were, we're foreign, we're Albanian. So we have a very like conservative type family. Mm -hmm. Um, but my dad thinks it's the most wonderful, beautiful thing. He's like, Oh, you want to nurse them? I'll get out of the way. Like he doesn't make it like Sweet. awkward, like yeah. how I expected it to be. Um, my brothers are the same way. They're like, Oh, Nora's boobs are out. We're going to go over here kind of thing. <laughs> um, my husband's like, kind of eh, about it he's like I don't really want to go places because then you show everyone your boobs I'm like I'm not doing it on purpose yeah they are great truly <laughs> <laughs> so can't blame them if they look but um no he oh. he kind of feels a little bit uncomfortable with it which I understand like I'm his yeah. wife and whatever but how, um, do, you, how least, do you balance that 
How do you balance with his discomfort with your desire to still breastfeed? It depends who we're around. I'll I'll definitely like be a little bit more modest and cover up. Um, but for the most part, I'm always offered a room if mm-hmm. I'm at like a family member's house. Okay. They'll be like, hey, do you want to go in this room? And usually it's it's fine. But at my parents' house and my sister's house, it's yeah. just wherever I'm at, everyone's comfortable with it. That's that's really great. Laura, honestly, I'm so I'm so proud of you. And I'm proud that you listen to your gut and that I'm so happy that you're having the experience that you want. It's all it's going great for you. And I hope that you you take more than a second a day to think about that. You're doing more than than what so many people do. And if I could just freaking just put like an asterisk on 10 weeks of when mm-hmm. you started tandem, because I don't understand why everybody just assumes that since you have twins, it has to be the first thing that happens. It doesn't. You have to. We have um, one of our, our twin moms that's in our, our kind of inner inner circle that's usually at the, the monthly meetings. She's a ballerina for the New York City Ballet at Lincoln oh, wow. Center. She's like a legit hard ballerina. ballerina. Okay. And when she started breastfeeding, she said, honestly, it is like it's like learning to dance with a new partner. Mm-hmm. You know, you're nobody's putting you on stage that first night with somebody that you never met. And yeah. I don't know why when when people have twins, they automatically assume like, oh, this is what I have to do. You know, you may you we all eventually get to it because of the convenience and the ease. And it's just takes a lot less time. But it took you 10 weeks. Really, one of the most ambitious breastfeeders that I've known. It took you 10 weeks to get there. But mm-hmm. slow and steady really does win this race. Clearly, clearly yeah. slow and steady wins the race. Nora, honestly, I'm praying that you, you know, have a thousand more kids and then become a CLC and sit next to me and we do a thousand things because it's, this is, it's, it's like a master's level breastfeeding course is what you just put yourself through and you did it all on your own. You're so amazing and you're so great and it's so inspiring. And I hope that everybody out there listening just takes a tiny little piece of themselves and says, you know, what would Nora do in this situation? Would she relatch? Would she relaunch 27,000 times? And the answer usually is yes, you should. You really should. Is there any one big tip that you would give to somebody that is expecting twins? Like when, let's say you're on the groups that you are, if somebody's like, I'm expecting twins, I'm worried about breastfeeding. What is the, your kind of boilerplate sentence that you typically would give to advise expecting parents of twins? I would say give yourself grace because every child is different. Like I said, my daughter latched right away. My son, it took us six weeks. Mm-hmm. And that is six weeks with a nipple shield, six weeks of different lotions. That's six weeks of trying different times of the day even. I didn't I didn't try at all at night. And I started with one time during the day when I felt most, my best version of myself. Good. And I did that day, that time. And if tomorrow I didn't have that moment where I felt like I was the best version of myself for my son to try, then I skipped that day and I tried tomorrow. And if I was having, if I had a good latch that mid-afternoon, I would try one more time and see if maybe we could start that trend. So give yourself grace. It's it's going to take time. It's all trial and error. Mm -hmm. But where there's a will, there's a way and you'll get it done. So whatever you want to do and find and also... I want to put another asterisk, find people that are going to support your wishes. Mm-hmm. You don't, you could block all of the haters out. There's not enough showers in the world to block out the people that are going to bring all that negativity into your universe. These are your babies. This is your experience. You do what is best for you. 
And that also could go to the other flip side that I hate breastfeeding and I don't want to do it. There's nobody that could tell you what to do. It's right. your kid. This is your life story that you are writing. How do you want it to be told? Nora, thank you so much for playing with me today. Thank you for having me. Oh, don't be ridiculous. Sit right there. And for the rest of you that are out there in the universe, know that if you have questions for Nora or I or really anybody in the Twiniversity universe, you could email us at community at Twiniversity.com or you could drop us a direct message on any social platform. We're just at Twiniversity. And I hope that when you're listening to Twiniversity podcasts, you take whatever you need from it. So if you needed motivation, if you needed inspiration, if you needed like tips and tricks, just take what you need from it. But understand that this podcast and the, not only the one that Nora and I just did, but literally everyone, it's for you to find how this is going to work in your life. Not everybody can breastfeed for 17 months. Some people have to go back to work. Some people could breastfeed for two and a half years and you may not even know that they're doing it because they don't want to talk about it. So it's it's just really interesting. Take just this whole story and say, okay, how can I apply this to my life? And think about what you want to take from it. That's what really we do here at Twiniversity. And that's all, not only the podcast, but every, the classes, the articles, the whatever the heck we do. It's not to create a blueprint of what you and your family should do. It should tell you what options you have available to you so you know what you want to take and what you don't. So I hope that you enjoyed this. If you did, um, as a gift to me, if you're like, Nat, what can I do for you? I would love if you would rate this podcast, give it a like, give it a subscribe, all that stuff that the kids say these days, because the more people that do that, the more people we could help them figure out what their situation options may be. So until next time, guys, see you later, alligators. Thanks for listening and see you later.